Hey, good morning, everyone. It's great to see you all here this morning. And uh, as uh, I'm just beginning speaking here, the ushers are coming forward with an offering. Uh, this is something that we do at our public gatherings here in West Bend and Kewaskum and in Jackson. Um, if you are not uh, a member or a regular tender here of Kettlebrook, you're, if you're a visitor, if you're a guest, this is not intended for you. So please, by all means, let that uh, plate just pass you by. It's not intended for you. Also, if you are a guest uh, or a visitor with us today... Um, I really want to apologize that we started out with uh, with giving you a picture of, of Scott Bicknell, okay? Please, please give us a second chance, okay? Come back next week, all right? No, I'm serious. Uh, this, is, this is something that Scott is doing. He's raising money for one of our partners, Citizen Advocates, and we are so glad that he is doing this. And, uh, and I would pay money to go see Scott dance this Friday night, so... Uh, it's something that he's going to be doing on the 12th. There's all sorts of information on that. So last week I had the, tra- I had the, uh, the uh, privilege of traveling to the cultural epicenter of the United States of America, Des Moines, Iowa. All right, just a wonderful place. I, I was doing kind of a speaking tour of um, some cities through, through uh, Iowa and I ended up in Des Moines and I... Um, I had to get going the next morning. Uh, I wanted to be back here by noon to get some work done, so I knew I had to get up early. I got up at five and hit the road, and um, and I knew I had a lot of driving ahead of me. So, being the very spiritual person that I am, I plugged in the soundtrack of Hamilton the musical. All right, I thought it would be a great opportunity to listen to it from start to finish without interruption. Something I hadn't done for a while. And so I was listening to this, and, and at the end of Hamilton, the musical, as, his, as Hamilton is having this, this duel with Aaron Burr, and Aaron Burr is about ready to shoot him. Sorry for the spoiler there, but it's been 200 years, okay? So, but, uh, but Hamilton breaks into this, time kind of freezes and stands still, and Hamilton breaks into this soliloquy where he just kind of begins to share his thoughts out loud, and he talks about America being this great unfinished symphony that has a place for even orphaned immigrants like himself to come and make their mark on our nation. And it's moving and it's visceral and it's profound. And I'm getting into it. And I'm like, holy cow, this is, this is cool. And, and I, I didn't realize I'd missed my turnoff about two miles back. And uh, what happened? What happened? I got distracted. I got distracted. So easy to happen. For some of us, it's an illness. For some of us, it's an occupational hazard. But it happens all the time. We're in this series that we're calling distractions. And the main premise of the entire series is that God has a vision and a plan for each and every one of our lives. He has good plans and good purposes for us. And, but, the, but the problem is, is that many of us fail to step into those plans and purposes that God has for us, His intentions, because we get distracted along the way. We get pulled off and sidetracked into all sorts of tangential things and, and things that are, are, shouldn't be our priority in our first place. And, uh, and just like my trip to Iowa, distractions can sometimes lead to delays. And delays, if left unchecked, can lead to disastrous consequences. Disasters. And now, so we live in this world where now all of us 
have this extra appendage on our body, right? You know, one of these things, right? 20 years ago, we didn't have to deal with this. I remember just graduating from Madison and being in a restaurant and, and uh, I was with my brother and, uh, and this, this guy, uh, you know, he, his, his phone rings out of nowhere. We're all like, what's going on? This guy takes out this brick, you know, and he's like, you know, he's just like walking around. Yeah, like, I'm really important. You know, and I just remember turning to my brother and going, I never want to be that accessible. <laughs> but what are we now? Now, now we have these like added onto us like a third arm. And, uh, and, and everybody is, is multitasking now. Maybe you've, you've seen that person in front of you that's, that's driving and kind of veers off the road and gets back on, you know, because they're trying to multitask and they're texting while driving. You may have seen that person. I know that none of us here has ever been that person before, right? But, but not only is, is these things where it's, there's texting and driving, but have you heard of this phenomenon called texting and walking? It's even more dangerous, not to others around you, but to yourselves as well. In fact, I want to just show this clip up here real quick uh, that talks a little bit about this new phenomenon we've never heard about else. It is an epidemic, texting while walking. And tonight, one town is saying it's time to level fines against people who walk into the streets, heads down, everybody else trying to dodge them. And new videos show it is more than just a nuisance. Here's ABC's Dan Harris. Texting and walking, that thoroughly modern epidemic. Look at this guy walk into a wall, or this woman walk into a mall water fountain. And check this out, a bear on the loose, and this man texting almost walks right into him. The videos are funny, but the problem is serious. According to the most recent numbers, more than a 1,000 people went to emergency rooms because they got hurt while walking and distracted on the phone. Double the year before, which was double the year before that. Bonnie Miller walked off this pier into Lake Michigan and had to be rescued by the Coast Guard. I couldn't let pride stand in my way of warning other people, you know, to not drive and text or walk and text. It can be dangerous. Now in Fort Lee, New Jersey, they're taking... So, I love that quote at the end. Being distracted can lead to dangers. And if we're not careful, those dangers can lead to disasters. All right? Now, maybe... Some of us have been there before. Maybe you haven't walked into a wall or into a water fountain. But maybe spiritually, maybe metaphorically, we have all gotten sidetracked off of God's plans and intentions and ended up in this ditch of distractions along the way, which can lead to delays and dangers. And for those of us here this morning who consider ourselves followers of this man, Jesus Christ, you know, we define our identity as being his unique representatives in the world, his children. And so his plans and his purposes are supposed to set the agenda for our lives. His values are supposed to inform who we are and and what we do and how we live our lives, okay? We're supposed to influence how we behave in the world, okay? The problem is this, as God's own unique called out people in the world, we have this remarkable propensity for being distracted and getting off track. Okay, all, all sorts of peripheral and insignificant matters, and the results can be disastrous. I have a friend who said this one time. He says, this culture is like one big narcotic. And if you're not careful, you can get too big of a dose. And you may never wake up again. 
Okay, and I think he's I think he's right on. Distractions abound, diversions abound, diversions from his plans and purposes and intentions for the world. And just like walking into a fountain or driving off the road, these uh, distractions from God's intentions can derail us into all sorts of delays and dangers and disasters. And, and this is nothing new. This is something that God's people have kind of dealt with all throughout the history of, of you know, what God is doing in the world. If you turn to page 170 in your Bibles, you're going to find the book of Judges. And this is the pattern over and over again in the Old Testament. For those of you who are new here, you may uh, not be aware, but the Old Testament is everything that God was doing in the world up until Jesus Christ. Okay, So God was doing a lot of stuff up until Jesus Christ. He takes... This, uh, this nation of slaves and he rescues and he redeems them out of slavery. He, and he's going to bring them into this land that he has prepared for them. This land is a good land. And he says, listen, what I want you to do is I want you to be my representatives in the world. I want you to show the rest of the world around you, all the nations around you. I want you to, sh- I want you to show them what I am like. You out of all the nations in the world are going to be a, a nation that is going to be connected and related to the living God, the one true God of the whole universe. And your job your job is to reflect what I'm like and who I am and my character and my goodness and my nature to the whole world around you that knows nothing about who I am. This is your job. And the problem is this, just like us, they ended up getting sidetracked and distracted in all sorts of other things all the time. One of the clearest examples of this is, is in Judges chapter 2. Now, the context for Judges chapter 2 is this. The Israelites for the most part, have moved into this land and they've conquered it and they've settled it, okay? But they haven't, like, settled all of it, okay? There's all these people groups that live in the land that God had promised them. There's the Jebusites, the Canaanites, the Persites, the Hittites, the Stalagites and the Stalagmites and all those people like that. They all still live in the land. And they haven't dislodged all those people, okay? So now... They are in the situation where they're living in the land that God has given them, but they're like constantly rubbing shoulders with people who are antagonistic towards them and antagonistic, hostile towards the purposes of God in their life. And they worship other gods and they pursue a, a different agenda, competing agenda to the agenda of God. Okay. And so what I want to do is I just want to read Judges chapter two here, verses one through three. So. In Judges, we, we start off, it says, The angel of the Lord went up from Gilgal to Bochim and said, I brought you up out of Egypt and led you into the land that I swore to give to your forefathers. I said, I will never break my covenant with you, and you shall not make a covenant with the people of this land. But you shall break down all their altars, altars to foreign gods, to false, false gods. Yet you have disobeyed me. Why have you done this? Now, therefore, I tell you that I will not drive them out before you. They will be thorns in your sides, and their gods will be a snare to you. So this, these verses kind of set the stage for all of the book of Judges. The people of God are now going to be living side by side with all these other nations. And the question of the book of Judges, the question that the, the rest of the book of Judges seeks to re, kind of resolve is, how are the people of God going to respond to this situation, 
that they find themselves in. Are they going to be faithful and true to the purposes of God, or are they going to get distracted into all sorts of other stuff? And then verse 10 through 13 says this, kind of summarizes what happens. After that whole generation had been gathered up to their fathers, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. They forsook the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them up out of Egypt. They followed and worshipped various gods of the peoples around them. They provoked the Lord to anger because they forsook him and served Baal and the Ashtoreths. Okay, these other foreign gods. And so these opening verses, they kind of set the stage for the entire book of, of Judges. And, uh, and the rest of the book of Judges essentially kind of fleshes out this story again and again and again, what we just read here in Judges 2, chapter 10. So this is, this is the situation that the Israelites find themselves in summary, okay? They were God's unique, called-out people in the world, okay? That's who they were. They were living in an environment that, were, that was hostile to the purposes of God, and they were living among people who were antagonistic towards them as the people of God. Okay? Yet, they also had a mission from God to accomplish. They had a mission from God. They had a mandate from God to accomplish. But they kept getting distracted from that mission and from that mandate. Does that sound vaguely familiar to anyone here? Okay? They were God's unique, called-out people in the world. Who are we as followers of Jesus? We're his unique called out people. They are living in a world amongst people who are hostile to the purposes of God and antagonistic towards the things of God. You know, we just got done through going through this series, looking at John chapter 16. He said, if they hated me, they'll hate you. That's also. They had, a, they had a mission and a mandate from God, a purpose to accomplish. We've been given a mandate from, from God. Okay, we're going to go through that in a little while. But they kept on getting distracted along the way. See, their story is our story. Their experience is our experience. This narrative in the book of Judges is our narrative. Okay? We, right now, currently, are living in a modern-day equivalent of the time of Judges. Okay? That's why the Old Testament is, is important. They kept getting distracted. And the question for us as people, God, is the question that we look at the book of Judges. Are we going to get distracted from the purposes and plans as the people of God to what God has for us? Now, when you look at uh, Judges chapter 2, verses 14 through 19... They, uh, they, you see this cycle over and over again. It says, it says this. In his anger again the, uh, against Israel, the Lord handed them over to raiders who plundered them. He sold them to their enemies all around them who were no longer able to resist them. Whenever Israel went out to fight, the hand of the Lord was against them to defeat them just as he had sworn to them. They were in great distress. Then the Lord raised up judges who saved them out of the hands of these raiders. Yet they would not listen to the judges but prostituted themselves to other gods and worshipped them. Unlike their fathers, they quickly turned from the ways in which their fathers had walked, the way of obedience to the Lord's commands. Whenever the Lord raised up a judge for them, he was with the judge and saved them out of the hands of their enemies as long as the judge lived. For the Lord had compassion on them as they groaned on them. So this, 
let me just kind of summarize. There's a cycle over and over again that we see in the book of Judges. And it's a cycle that's going to be very familiar to some of us. So they, they lived in this kind of land of peace. They had this time of peace. But then they got distracted. Okay? And to all sorts of they started worshiping the other gods around them. The values of the people of the nations around them became their values. Then they went into a time of kind of being subdued by their enemies. And they would cry out to God. Another word for this is repent. And then God would rescue them with a judge. Which would lead to a time of peace. Okay, this is a series you can read through. It's it's fascinating reading. I mean, if you want to read some good stuff that reads like Lord of the Rings, you know, to your kids at night, this is this is what happens in Judges over and over and over again. And this cycle is the same cycle that we find ourselves in. Okay, they were the people of God who were supposed to be living for God's purposes in the world, but they kept on getting distracted into all sorts of different stuff. And see, the Israelites in the, in the book of Judges, they had a very clear mandate, didn't they? What was it? What was their mandate? They were supposed to totally settle the land. In fact, you would have to go back all the way back to the book of Joshua to kind of gain this mandate. In the book of Joshua, read these verses. He's, God is talking to Joshua, kind of the leader of the Israelites at the time, and he's saying, this is what I want you to do. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert of Lebanon and from the great rivers of the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea to the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors given. So this was the mandate prior to the book of Judges. This is what they were supposed to do. This is what they were supposed to be up, uh, what they were supposed to be up to as a people. Now, as the people of God, if you consider yourself to be a follower of this man, Jesus Christ, okay? If, if, you're, if you don't consider yourself to be a follower of Jesus Christ, you are off the hook today okay this this message does not apply to you okay you can just this is like you know just good information for you to know but if you are a follower of jesus christ jesus has given us a mandate before jesus went to the cross he had all sorts of great teachings okay he gave talked in terms of parables that explain the kingdom of god he gave some great moral ethical teaching you read matthew 5 6 and 7 the sermon on the mount some of the greatest moral and ethical teaching you're ever going to read but after he rises from the dead he has one message that he gives over and over and over again one command that he goes over and over again let's read what those look like Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. That's another way of saying, I'm God Almighty. Okay? Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. That word, all nations, is the Greek word ethne. It's the word we get the, Greek, the word ethnicities. Okay? Or ethnic groups. It's not just nations that we think of as geopolitical nations. It's all different kinds of people groups. So make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Okay? Does that seem very vaguely familiar to anyone here? 
Just like Joshua was given this command at the beginning of Joshua, we're given this command as a, as a similar mandate from God to not to go and subdue an area, not to go and, and just settle a land, but we are to go and make disciples of all kinds. Now, the question for all the people of God in this day and this age is, how are we going to do? Are we going to be serious about doing this or are we going to get distracted into all sorts of peripheral things. And, and this, is, this is not like an optional extra for those of us, who, for those who are like serious Green Beret Christians, you know, like the people who really take this stuff seriously, like the radicals, all right? This is, this is for every single person who considers themselves to be a follower of Jesus Christ. This is for every single church. Every single expression of the body of Christ needs to be about this Somehow, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says the same thing. We'll just go through this. He says, you'll receive power and the Holy Spirit comes on you. You're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Again, this mandate, this, this mission from God very clearly to all of his people. And just the theme for our, our, our theme verse for this whole series is that we are to fix our eyes on Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith. We're not to get distracted into all sorts of peripheral things. Okay, this is what God wants us to be about. And so the question for each and every one of us here who considers ourselves to be a follower of Jesus, again, if you're not, don't consider yourself to be a follower. You're off the hook. This is just good information for you. But if you're a follower, the question is, how can I be involved and engaged in this mandate that Jesus has given, well, given us. So there's, there's this thing called six ways. Six ways that as followers of Jesus that you can be engaged and involved in the mandate, the mission that, God has, that Jesus has given us to see disciples made of all people groups in the world. Why don't we just put up that, that screen right up there about the six ways. There are six ways to reach God's world. Okay? And you, you can just pick one of these ways. There's, you can pray, you can pray for the world, learn, send, welcome, mobilize, and go. And so you might be asking, okay, what does each one of these six ways mean? I'm so glad you asked. We're just going to show a quick video that kind of flushes these six ways out for each and every one of us. You know, when I think about God's heart for the world... I think about my wife and our marriage, and really, over the last 10 years, uh, as I've fallen in love with her, I've began to love some of the things that she loves, and I've taken on the things that uh, sort of orbit her heart. They've began to be the things that orbit my heart, and when we look at God's heart for the world, I think it's simply Christians looking and saying, God, if, if this is what you love, that's a big enough reason for me to begin to get involved. For those coming out of a short-term mission experience, a Perspectives in the World Christian Movement course, or something like that, a lot of times we're just asking our questions, where do I go next?
start out with learning. Uh, man, before we can really be involved in God's heart for the world, we gotta you gotta be educated about it and learn about it, learn the needs in the world, and, and then learn about God's word and how He views missions. You have to go in with it with a humble attitude almost, and start all over. Uh, when I started taking perspectives, I felt like a baby Christian all over again. Praying, um, it's, it's so simple, and, and we don't even think about the impact that we could have. Um, but the Lord uses prayer to open doors that otherwise would not be opened by any other means. We have the ability to take our petitions and put them at the feet of the living God, and He listens to them, and He acts on them going. I mean, who wouldn't want to be on the front lines of what the Lord is doing to the ends of the earth to spread his glory to all nations? And it's just us being being used as instruments, as his hands and feet right on the front lines. We've been teaching English, guitar, computers, um, some other short-term teams have come in and taught karate, cooking. Sending is, is just really saying, man, how can we be those people who are holding the rope um, for those people who are going out to the ends of the earth. Sending care packages or even just writing letters. You feel as if you're there. I mean, you're not just on the periphery of giving money or seeing them every four years. Welcoming internationals is just kind of taking advantage of the doors that the Lord has opened to, to just really reach the nations that are even right here. Um, and, and just, we don't even have to go anywhere. If I meet one person from another country and make them feel that there's one person in the United States that cared for them, that I feel like I've done exactly what God's asked me to do. Mobilizing is just this idea of, of giving people a bigger vision to live their lives for and really helping them to understand what God's heart is so that they can kind of see what His heart is, what He's working for, and, and they can be working for that same thing themselves. We're called to go and, and make him known among the nations. And so mobilization is, is a way that we can unleash that in people. So six ways. I just want to kind of go over some of these six ways that, uh, that we can go to. Let's go pray and learn. Let's go to the next slide there, Joe. Did it get stuck? There we go. So pray. There's this thing uh, that you can get online or you can get to have sent to you. It's called the Global Prayer Digest. It, they've done all the hard work of researching and find, gathering kind of all the data on these people groups that are left over in the world. That they, There are over 2 billion people who, if you are in one of these 6,000 people groups, you will be born and you will live your entire life and you will die and you will not hear the word Jesus spoken once in your entire life. Okay. You can be born and you will live your entire life and you will die. And in your entire life, you will not hear the word Jesus spoken. So Global Prayer Digest does a wonderful job of, of kind of identifying who those people groups are. They help you to pray for them every day. There's a different prayer thing. You can get that online as well. Also, there's, there's this great resource called Operation World, which is like this real thick resource book. And it has all the nations of the world. It gives you all the data, all the, everything you need to know. And you can just go through Operation World or you can go, through, go online and they have a different people group or a different country every single day that you can pray for learn okay there's some great resources out here if you just want to write down some of these websites the traveling team this was one that i found just in researching for this uh for this uh message i didn't even know it exists and i was going through all through it that's a great website uh the nations.us the abrahamic revolution by todd aaron is a great 
a book, a primer on uh, the whole biblical basis for what God wants to do in the world. And then every once in a while, we have this thing called Perspectives on the World Christian Movement. How many of you have taken Perspectives on the World Christian Movement? All right. There's a lot of hands around here. So if you don't have any questions as to what this is, go find someone who's gone through that, that class and they can tell you all about it. It will wreck your world for the ordinary. Okay, then they're going to get up to send and give. Okay, we have this, this group called uh, the IMT, the International Ministry Team. They are this, this group that does all sorts of work to try to figure out how can Kettlebrook be engaged as a church. And when you give uh, and you check that box, IMF, you're giving towards this purpose, towards this purpose of seeing all nations, all tribes, all tongues have access and have uh, have the availability of the gospel to them. Okay, then we have um, then we have welcome immigrants. You eat, you know that just 35 miles from here, we have all sorts of immigrants living just around the area of the airport. I was talking with a guy from Kettlebrook just uh, two weeks ago. We were having a dinner and. They, he, they and he and their family, they have tried to figure out a way to move closer to the airport, closer to this region, so that they can interact with the Rohingya people, which is one of the most unreached people groups in the world. And we have the largest population of Rohingyas living in Milwaukee, right outside of Burma. Outside of Burma, we have the largest population here in Milwaukee. And so this, this family has tried to move in closer to the airport so they can minister and work Amongst the Rohingya. I was with a, a young couple in Iowa and they were living in this apartment complex and they had chosen this apartment complex specifically because this is where all the Sudanese lived. All right. It was awesome. I went to the coffee shop in the morning and the, the gal behind the uh, behind the counter had her lafay on and everything like that. And she had, was all decked out and there was Muslims all over the place because they had all moved into this area. And this couple was trying to minister to them. OK, so we have we have welcome. And then you can go. We have short-term trips all the time. And these are, this is a great opportunity for you to get a chance to experience what it's like to actually go to another place in the world and see, and see what missionaries are doing and how they're spending their time and how they're strategically trying to reach people. Uh, just recently, Troy and Stephanie got a chance to visit Eric and Molly and Chad living amongst these, these people group that have, almost have no access to the gospel. And they're so moved and so powerfully changed and profound, probably th- profoundly changed just because they spent time with these people, Molly and Eric. For those of the uh, high school kids who just went to Mexico, they got a chance to rub shoulders with uh, people like the McNallys, who uh, have given their entire lives to seeing people be raised up and sent out to the nations and our youth have come back and they've been changed there's one of these six ways pray learn send welcome mobilize and go there's at least six ways that you can be engaged in the mandate that god has given us as his people which one are you going to choose the one thing is this if you consider yourself to be a follower of jesus christ none of the above is not an option. Okay? I just want to opt out. I don't want to be engaged in it. I don't, I'm not interested in it. That is really not an option. If you are a follower of Jesus, Jesus has said, this is what I'm all about. I'm all about getting the message of my life, death, and resurrection out to everybody. And I'm inviting you to be a part of it somehow. The only question is, how are we going to respond? That was the book of the Judges. 
They had been given this mandate and this mission by God. And the question was, how were they going to respond? And they got over and over and again, they got sidetracked and distracted all the time. The question for us as followers of Jesus is, are we going to get distracted and sidetracked? Or are we going to be on point with the mission that God has given us? We're going to take just two minutes now. Just two minutes. And I want you to just take this time, as, as Greg comes up here and, and just kind of gives us some, some background music, to just think and pray and ask yourself two questions, okay? If I have not been involved and engaged in what God wants to see happen all around the world, why haven't I? What has been distracting me? What's been distracting me? What's been holding me back? What's been weighing me down? And what is one way, just one way, perhaps one step that I can take to begin more, to be more involved and more engaged in God's purposes for the world? Just one step, okay? And if, if anyone wants to come and talk to me or talk to our international ministry director, Kara, about how you can get involved, we would love, 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 love the opportunity to do that. Let me just pray for you as you move into this time. Father God, it's, you're very clear in Scripture that Jesus is not going to come again until the message of the gospel of the kingdom has been proclaimed to every single people group in all of the world. And you're inviting us as your followers to be engaged in this. Lord, if, if we're honest, we have to acknowledge that we are so easily distracted. We're so easily sidetracked. And perhaps for some of us here today, it may just be a time for us to repent and say, I'm sorry, I, I realize I've gotten off track. And it's led me into all sorts of dangers and even disaster. Father God, would you be kind to us today and stir our hearts Remind us of your invitation into what you're doing in this world, that you have good things in store for each and every one of us. You're not here, as Ryan said last week, as a huge cosmic killjoy who wants to put the lid on life. But you're inviting us to what you are about and what you've been doing all since the beginning of time. We just want to be a people who want to respond by saying, here we are, Lord. Use us. How can you use Kettlebrook to reach the nations? Pray this in Christ's name.